today's episode of Downtime, I get to talk to Sharon Watson. For the past 11 years, Sharon has been Artistic Director of Phoenix Dance Theatre. Recently, however, she became CEO and Principal of Northern School of Contemporary Dance. For this exciting and inspiring conversation, which took place in the middle of June 2020, I joined Sharon in a personal moment that merged quiet reflection with a palpable sense of really exciting potential and power as Sharon spoke of her journey as a black female leader and artist and her determination to seize the opportunity for radical change now. Hello Sharon, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? I'm very well actually. Um, I suppose there's uh, with so much going on one would expect probably a bit of a conflict in terms of maybe mind, body, spirit but I feel quite, um, I'm feeling quite quite comfortable in my space right now. Brilliant, good. Uh, where are you? Are you actually at work? Or are you at I, home? Am, I am at work. I'm in my new office at the Northern School of Contemporary Dance. Very and nice. And I just set them into, into the chair. Um, and a handful of staff are in the building. We've got no students at the moment. Mm-hmm. All their education at the moment is online um, and doing exceptionally well. So I'm just getting used to being in my new space and in my new role. Great. Okay, so... I imagine that uh, a little while ago when you sat down and thought, I know I'm going to leave Phoenix Dance Theatre after 11 years and take on the massive job of CEO and principal at Northern School of Contemporary Dance, you probably thought that would be challenge enough for a while. Um, And then along came COVID-19. So question is, yeah, how are you? How has that transition been? Has it just been awful or have you found some space for some reflection and downtime? I, I genuinely believe in, I'm, of course, COVID is such a disastrous uh, situation, but actually I found some real optimism in in what COVID has presented. Um, and yes, it's kind of that moment of leaving one um, highly pressured job and actually stepping into another. I allowed myself a little bit of space. And I guess that's what COVID has actually also presented to me because I've had to stop. I've had to just step back. I've had to allow some of the decisions to be made because of the circumstances rather than because of a a conscious Mm. um, way of moving forward. And it has gifted me some thinking time. It's gifted me time to be able to really allow myself to understand exactly where I am right now, understand what it is at the moment the staff are already implementing in terms of looking after each other Mm. and looking after the students. Um, And as I've said to them, I said I, I give myself permission to pace my learning through this journey because I just, we can't run faster than COVID. Mm. Uh, and therefore, let's not try to be clever around what we think COVID is going to tell us, what we have no idea. So let's kind of make sure that, first of all, everybody's health and well-being is a priority. And the school itself will pull through this. We will get through this. I mean, the voices of the students is amazing. Mm. Um, and just their young, creative minds helping us to kind of figure out what it is that we do. Right. Okay. Gosh. So have you had some time off? Have you been able to actually relax as well as reflect? Yes, it was a very short time, um, but it was enough for me just to say once I'd made the decision that um, transition is taking place, that I actually just stepped back. And I think the last thing I did was I wrote an article for Serendipity, who I, they didn't probe me in terms of what it is I wanted to say, but I would imagine that I had imagined that they would want me to write about my time at Phoenix and me departing. And I said, actually, that's not, that's right now, that's not important. I think what is important is me 
Mm. And the stillness that I've I've discovered in having time out, the stillness I've chosen to to kind of reflect and actually just reflect on what it is that I where I want to be in time and space, which was home. So I did give myself some time, mm. and I appreciate having that time because it was also about self care and reflection. Um, and I've been able to have that time with my family just for us to to be and not expect anything of each other other than to enjoy the space in which we all operate in. Mm. And actually just taking, I've managed to take in some of the reading that I want to do, which is about just some of the lovely books that I think are there and waiting and not to have to consider reading policies and Hmm. figuring out how I'm going to fix things other than fix myself. Mm. Extraordinary timing really to come to the end of 11 years at Phoenix and be making this massive shift and, and yet to be given this gift of just a bit of stillness and a bit of space to breathe. I don't suppose you've had anything like that ever. For a lot. <laughs> it, you know, in the article it says, I said I have it here um, because I I wanted to just reflect on it because it was one of the things when I did the Claw Leadership in 2006 mm. where one of the questions that I, I was asked is, what, if you wanted more of it, what would it be? And I remember saying I wanted time. Mm. I wanted more time and I wanted more space. And I hadn't realised actually at the time what that time and space meant in that moment. And actually what I requested now was time and space to be able to be still and reflect on time. And, you know, that relationship has changed my dynamics so much. Um, And I think I've entered a new role, been in a very calm position because the job is huge. <laughs> if anybody knows what goes on in, in an establishment like this, the job is huge. And I think the last thing I want to do is to go rushing in um, without without being conscientious about um, the roles that exist, what needs to change, what needs to grow, what actually is going to satisfy me, what's going to satisfy the school, how do I make the school the place that I want everyone to be valued in. And move forward with. I'm not suggesting that all of these things weren't there, but it's a different leadership. Mm. How does my leadership um, kind of resonate with those that already exist and for those that are coming on board? So it's been fantastic in that respect. Mm. Yeah, and you know, the horror of COVID aside, it's actually a great way to start a, a new job right. and, a, and a new relationship because a bit of breathing and a bit of reflection and, and getting to know each other and you know not not coming in with it all decided in advance but to to learn and, and grow together I mean yeah. in a way it might be ideal yeah. as well as simultaneously being really really far from ideal but um and you're hoping to kind of carry this calm and uh you know ge- more gentle relationship with time through are you I would certainly see that as an advantage mm. and you know I, I think it's um what we have done is manage the uh, expectations in terms of a new leadership coming into a, an organization because inevitably there's always change that's mm. just that comes with the territory but actually what I'm not doing is just is kind of cutting cutting the cloth that I don't make now um, and asking for I, I need as a leader you need people to follow and therefore I need to understand what it is that they're currently doing and how they currently operate and what are the values that they could actually add to my vision so for me it's it yeah, COVID is a, is a really rough time. It's been, you know, it's traumatic. And I think that trauma is sitting with all of us. Mm. Um, but I do feel that COVID has provided me the space um, that I ordinarily would not have had. Mm. 
Great. And we can be grateful for that, can't we? Whilst, uh, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's look back a little bit then, can we, uh, at your 11 uh, extraordinary years at Phoenix Dance Theatre. Just for people who maybe aren't familiar with Phoenix, people outside the UK, can you just give me a really little potted background of the company? Absolutely. Um, Phoenix, actually, by the time it gets to next year, depending on, on where we are, what's at 2021, it will be 40 years old. It started in 1981 with three young black men who had an ambition to become professional dancers. And actually, that was really the crux of it. They tried, they had a, an education within a secondary school, exploring dance, went on to a high school that gave them the opportunity to extend that further. And with the vision, they decided that this was what they wanted to do. Um, I'm kind of shortcutting here because the story yeah. is obviously 40 years. Um, but they started a company and went from three to five and from five men, it introduced women in 1989 and five black women, uh, sorry, introduced four women in 99, four black women at that, who also had the same experience. However, they had gone to professional training, so they, they brought something else to the table. Mm -hmm. So the amalgamation of all of these voices and the ambition to kind of have an international recognized dance company has continued. And the work of the company has changed through many hands. So I was the seventh artistic director of the company. And uh, for me, uh, having been a performer with the company and left, then returned as the rehearsal tour director, then left, and then returned in the third incarnation as the artistic director, was probably a journey that I would be surprised if many others have had this experience with, a, with one company. Mm. Wow, such a journey. And is it too soon for you to be able to reflect on your time there? And, you know, now that it is in the past, can you see it clearly? How do you feel about it all? I think it is too early because I'm still, I'm still connected to a lot of the people that are there. I think it's, um, although it's not, it's not early for me to be able to talk about how I've had to navigate my way through leadership, how I've had to navigate my way through program development, um, change of organisation, uh, personalities, arts council, stakeholders, all of these things that actually you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis in order for you to get a vision that actually is respected. I think um, some of the things that I am reflecting on now is the lack of respect for culture in this particular category and the trends that happen and the kind of the novelty of an organisation like Phoenix but actually really kind of looking at the value that it brings to the sector and it brings to society. So for me, there's a real discourse in terms of what I can reflect on now and how I've seen myself navigate that because I think I changed my role as an artistic director. I changed the way in which I felt that I needed to operate. So, you know, trusting my experience of being a performer and connecting and programming, but also trusting myself as a businesswoman mm. who, who knows and understands that actually I need to bring people to the table. I need them to understand the value that we, we bring to the wider picture. I need people to understand that we can't operate how we always have done because we become irrelevant. We become a past conversation rather than a future vision. And in a way, that's kind of inviting them to understand how we add value to what already exists, and in particular, value to them as an organisation. So it changed how I felt that my, my job um, as AD was delivered. And I would hope that that was being respected. Well, I think it kind of resonates now, kind of obviously sitting here, but I think the ambition to know that we could become one of the greatest companies ever if we were given the kind of the, the equivalent support and the equivalent recognition um of, of as a company and just knowing that that's never left me how do you find the balance of um being the businesswoman and the the leader and the artist um yeah 
you're very clearly both. How does that work inside you? It's it's interesting because I think I've I've exercised the challenge to to define that a little clearer over the last four years of creating work. And, you know, it, it, there's a lot to be said about the team that you engage and a lot to be said about those that trust your vision. And in a way, I think, had that not been the case, I would probably, there's a real kind of distinction between my first uh, former years of, of Phoenix to my latter years. And that for me was a number of things, I think, just in terms of the timetabling of, of, of um, our applications, knowing that our USP had to be reinstated, mm. but the timing needed to be correct. So, you know, I being able to step off the gas and actually leave the executive at the time that was there um, to manage manage the gap was great because we had a great relationship. So I needed the backative. I needed the, the understanding that whilst I'm actually creating, I, I need more than just um, your ability to say, okay, get in the studio and when you come out, here's all of this work that needs to be done. But actually the trust and the communication had to be much clearer and much more clinical in a way because, you know, you want to create. And actually I requested the space to be able to become a creator in a way that I feel needed to be respected. Um, do, you mean, do you mean at certain times of the year, so when you were actually in creation, you shifted the... The, the job, the basically, yeah. Okay. I think, yeah, I think it's it's one of those where I, I, you know, it's a company that's artistically led and therefore it's um, a lot of those decisions are made by, as though whether people believe it or not, is made artistically mm. and turned into business. And that's the, that's the balance that I think is very finely tuned. And if you're unaware of that, you can all automatically assume that perhaps maybe this is all about the business acumens of an organisation when it's actually artistically led. And the value of knowing that where that where it translates into where it becomes a, a commodity of, of something else that that understanding has to be happen has to happen with the person that's your equivalent. So mm. it really is about fine tuning and finding that match, which I think I did. Yeah, and so as a artistic director and a business person and strategist and a woman and a black woman. How hard was the battle? How 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 much did you feel you had to fight? Um, and, and working in dance, you know, uh, how hard did you have to fight to be heard and to, and to get the recognition that the company now has? Um, hard is a, is is a, is an understatement. But I think I I think I said this to a couple of the dancers literally this week. I just said to them, in fact, it's Tuesday, isn't it? So it was <laughs> yesterday. I was speaking and I. I often describe myself as a chameleon and within that, you know, the understanding of actually of just being able to morph into something that's, that's useful. And for me, that is exactly how I've had to operate. I've had to morph into things that are useful. I've had to absorb other, other colors, other traits to be able to kind of make sure that I stay standing, that I, I remain in the room. I think if you if you read well, statistics have shown over the years that in the pecking order, the black female is probably is the base. She's at the bottom. She's the one that everyone will stand on their shoulders and excel beyond, um, whilst leaving the black person and the black female at the bottom mm. of the the pecking order. Now, as far as I'm concerned, um, that needs to change. It really does need to change, and the respect that's given to the black leaders, black female leaders in particular is not something that you can take lightly. So you have to know how to navigate your way 
in a room and know how not to come across with the with the stereotypes that are actually already put on you, that the, the racial profiling that comes with you. To be called an aggressive black woman when you're actually just a passionate woman oh is, is something that you, you deal with on a day-to-day basis. You know, you can't actually, you can't come back at that within a situation that where you're talking about trying to receive money or we're trying to be passionate about something that actually is going to impact on you. But the, the way in which you communicate that is described as being aggressive, you you have to take hold of that. And that trauma sits within your body, sits within you physically, emotionally, mentally. And um, I think some of those have been unpicked recently, especially with the situation that we're now dealing with. Mm. How do you look after yourself in, in, in that sort of emotional, exhausting, stressful circumstance? I like to talk. I find it really refreshing just to have someone listen. Um, not necessarily give me the answers, but just so that I don't carry that energy and I can dilute all of that. I love listening to music. It's the one thing I think that sometimes the words fail me, but actually when I hear the music, I can allow that emotion to be to be layered in the music. Um, and I, I also find that um, I don't find that I can often, I mean, I'm relaxing is a way that if I'm at the house and I'm at the gym, then it helps to kind of you kind of do that. But that's also really kind of a health focus. But I just like to be still. Mm. I think sometimes just laying and allowing the the energies and the emotions that I have just flow into where they need to go, and then I know what to do with them. Mm. So stillness becomes quite an important thing, and I've respected that more and more. I suppose it's a form of meditation that I've never been taught to do. Okay, um, but it's 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 a way of just making sure that I don't carry that negativity. Um, and like I say, knowing what to do with it once it's kind of found its place has also helped me to kind of become an ammunition mm. in terms of how I move that forward. Um, and when you're heaving your way through all of this, do you have, I don't know if this is too naive a question, but do you have a sense of what it is you're fighting against? Um, what it is, you know, on, on any of these issues that is, is holding you back or the art back or the country or the or the sector there are sometimes not always not always sometimes it's, it comes months later in terms of the reveal but there's a there's for me very often there's a complacency there's a there's a kind of a happy place that actually the impact isn't isn't happening to them so it's okay mm. and and yet you know i live in a community i live in a community where i grew up um and I understand that things are changing, but they're not changing soon enough. I understand that people don't necessarily respect our culture in the same way. So I, I, can, I can totally appreciate that your lack of knowledge doesn't allow you to appreciate the fact that I'm bringing you a story about the Windrush generation who are British citizens, and yet you've never looked at them like that, or you've never, you've never even taken the time to understand why is all of this, this kind of uproar and, and challenge taking place because actually are you a citizen why are you here what are you doing in this country um that kind of education is so um so hidden and and you know for many many years we've never been encouraged to appreciate our culture in that way because we've only been taught one form of culture um and the respect i think across the board when we talk about it on a bigger sense is that we're not encouraged to respect and actually appreciate that our culture actually has history in a way that isn't only just about slavery or isn't only about poverty or isn't only about a negative situation. So we have to, we've embedded ourselves in terms of our, our developed and educational growth. And actually, I just wish society would also do that because it would massively 
make a shortcut into understanding that inequality exists. And sometimes it's trying to hold that, that, that mirror up to say, this is not okay. You can't be complicit in doing nothing. You can't be comfortable in just accepting what the situation is. And I bring it to you in an art form. And then you're, you're going to criticize this and tell me it's not a true art form. Then you need to go and do your homework. Don't challenge me, but you go and find out what you don't know to come back and then have a conversation. But because they're in a position of power also, you have to navigate that so that it doesn't become a fight and actually you try to get the answers through a conversation. But it's about being explicit. And who's who's they? Are we talking about? We're talking those in authority. Mm. We're talking those that are in positions of power. We're talking those that actually have uh, financial um, influence. We're talking about those that are impactful in terms of, you know, those that are writers, those that are those that are actually out there that actually probably reinforce the stereotypes. So, you know, you see it on, in, in, on the television, you see it within, you know, situations where the BBC have been challenged about their racial equality. And yet it's years of racial equality questioning, not just yeah, today. Um, and so, you know, there are systems where they are very, very blatant. And the subtleties are the ones that perhaps you would, you know, you would never realise that actually you're having that conversation mm. behind closed doors. Mm. So, yeah. And of course, this whole moment now is is for uh, everybody, I guess, a moment of sort of self-reckoning and uh, trying to absorb and become aware of one's own responsibilities, you know, me, of course. Um, but it, so, I, and I hear you're talking about it, you know, society generally, education, all the rest of it, but it, but in the art sector, it's still there, is it? It's, it you still feel it's, it's not... It okay. is, it is. And we've lived in this foggy place for a long time, so it's almost acceptable. Mm. And at times when it becomes a little bit more prized, the deeper sometimes those cuts become, then you, you kind of find that you're actually trying to, to defend what actually, you, you know, has, should be defended by all for such a long time. It is there. It really is. Because actually, had equality um, really been the, the, the agenda for all, I don't believe by any, by any means that Darren Henley would come out and say basically he's failed. And it was a recent statement in terms of the, was, you know, Phoenix was an NPO, was supported by the Arts Council, and that's all wonderful, as it is for many other companies. But we don't face the same challenges. Mm. And some of our NPOs do, do amazing work um, with very little recognition. And some of them do amazing work, but have no, no understanding of diversity and are yet still not called out for it. Mm. Um, and that's the shocking bit. Yeah, that's because shocking. I think it's, it's really quite clear sometimes when you look at actually how someone can be accountable for the work that they're not doing. And so, you know, to hear that was like, well, what are we going to call the next phase of, uh, of our creative case? What name do we want to give that? Um, and are we going to see change? And are, we're not a risk. We just do things. We just, just change the balance, change the status quo. Um, I've never considered myself a risk. And yet when I think about what, how people are described, people, black and brown people are described is it's a risk for certain theatres. It's a risk. Why is it a risk? Wow. And actually, even if it is a risk, at what point do you stop taking risk? Wow. Okay. And do you know then what this is called? Do you, do you know how, how to describe it now? Is it, are we still too in the middle of it to feel that yet? We are. We're still having very fresh conversations and we're still having that, having to try and navigate that uncomfortable space. Um, you know, because a lot of the people that I believe I'm, I'm talking to are genuinely interested in wanting to address that. 
but it is uncomfortable and I can't apologize for making you feel uncomfortable about the job you haven't done. Um, and in a sense, if you're not prepared to have that conversation, then there's really no point in trying to come to the table because we're not going to change anything. Nicely put. Thank you. Um, in relation to this and in relation to your own work, uh, as you said, your um, approach was quite different, I guess, during your time at Phoenix. I have a quote here from an article, an interview you did with Sanjoy Roy, the Guardian dance critic. And you said, I spent the first six years proving we can do what any other contemporary repertoire company can do. It's only in the last few years that I've turned that round and said yes, but those companies can't do what we're doing. And you made Windrush, Movement of the People and also Black Waters, um, which seemed to be, yeah, a, a, a different slant in, in your work. Can you talk a little bit about the journey from the work before that to that work, which I guess is, is connected into to everything we've talked about so far? Yeah. Um, what I want people to understand is that I love making work that doesn't have narrative. I love making work for the sake of dancing. I love making work that has narrative. I love making work that is um, that is about my culture uh, or is not. I like work, making work that is scientifically based. I, I feel as an artist, I should not be pigeonheld in terms of what kind of work I should make. But I do feel that my first years of kind of trying to explore and trying to build uh, an understanding of how we can do everything is that I needed to be able to demonstrate that through the work that was produced. I think where it was becoming the, 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 the question of our USP was coming into play and the opportunity of being able to change that was actually the next round of the MPO where it had to be written as a business plan. And it had to be written in the way that allowed the organization to either know what they're buying into with some clarity mm. and how we're going to move forward, not ignoring the fact that we could do other things, but knowing actually we have to focus in and make sure that our statement with regards to our USB was very, very firmly placed within the direction of the company. So that for me was a case of saying, okay, I've, I've done all of these other things that actually another company could absolutely pick up this work. I could go and create this on another company, but there was something special. And I wanted to really explore what that special thing was for Phoenix at that time. And the last few works have done that. Um, you know, we brought in a choreographer from Haiti to, to reimagine the rite of spring. Now we would, most people have to have questioned, well, what's the relevance of a Haitian choreographer? Is that, well, where does ritual really sit? And sacrifice, where does it sit other than the Western view of it? And that's where we started our journey. So, you know, we can talk about these things that actually are, they permeate within the, within the black culture, within the African culture, within, within the diaspora, as well as looking at the other side from, from the Western view. Actually, this is an education that we've never actually considered because we've always obviously seen it from one from one perspective. Okay, so this is what I've taken from the Phoenix website. I think this is what you're describing. Uh, encapsulating the diverse and vibrant spirit of multicultural Britain and drawing, sorry, drawing attention to untold or overlooked narratives has always been at the heart of what we do. Is that basically it? That's it. Yeah. We've tried to do that in so many ways without being penalised um, and gaining respect as we go. And I know that not everybody quite understands it, Lou, I really do. I've seen that. I've seen where people have gone, well, why are you doing that? What's the purpose of it? And, you know, even inviting them to understand that our history is one to be celebrated and it's one to be recognised because we don't do it enough. We, have, we are custodians of this. And when we go into a school, 
I want the young children to understand that actually there is equality, that equality can exist. But if we don't bring that work to them for them to understand how important it can be and for them to be part of it, then we're, all we're doing is continuing with the status quo. So it's not okay that you, if you challenge it and you don't understand it, then I understand if you need to step away from it. Mm. I'm not going to fight you or drag you kicking and screaming into a new um, way of, of, of knowledgeable information. You have that choice. But those that stay, you need to really be behind this because there are not many companies like Phoenix that exist. There are not many companies that will choose to tell the story of the zone ship that was, you know, that threw 133 people overboard um, for, as a commodity and tried to claim on it. Mm. Um, there's not a, a lot of people that would be able to tell the story of the Kalipani um, prison in India of where they were enslaved um, and trans and transit uh, the transatlantic slave journey that's happened. Mm. Not many people have have can have the the, the bravado and the braveness to be able to say we need to talk about these stories and what it means for us as a culture but also what it means for those that are the dominant culture to understand that none of this is about is about kind of hitting you over the head with a with a history book but understand why equality exists today did you always know that you would um uh, there's a sort of maybe this isn't the right word but a sort of emboldening there did you always know you were going to rack it up a bit and uh, focus in on this more and more once you'd sort of nested in and, and you know, taken your territory? I had to prove myself initially, as I said in the article. Mm. I had to prove that actually we understood that we could, we could survive. And, you know, we were always being compared to the other companies and how much they're doing and they're doing. So once I'd got past that journey mm. and just gone, okay, well, are you happy now? Is this okay? We can... I needed them to say, well, we are not, there's nothing distinctive about us if we continue to do that. So yes, I mean, in terms of finding a way to make that happen, because actually, had we stayed the way that we were, and I'm referring before my time as Phoenix, mm. I think, I don't think Phoenix would have survived. I really don't. Mm. Had to really stake its claim and, and do what it was meant to do. Yeah. Yeah. What a crazy time to leave. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you're very excited about the new job. I'm sure it's the right time. But th does it feel conflicting to you that, you know, the landscape is changing and the conversations are really, really happening and you're not in that position anymore? Is that difficult? No. <laughs> okay, <that's> no. <laughs> it's not because I want to believe that the person who is going to take on my, my job understands the history of the company understands it's imperative within the broader picture. Um, I would hope that the board would respect its journey mm. and that 40 years of surviving, of which we have done, that they wouldn't see themselves irresponsible enough to whitewash that or to wipe it out. Yeah. Um, and the dancers that are there and the dancers that are coming in, they're coming in because they want to tell these narratives, because they feel passionate enough to hold on to something that actually is, is about who they are. But also our message is worldwide. Our message, you know, actually when you really think about who we are as people, we are the dominant culture. We are, but we don't ever hear that story. Mm. And we're talking literally in the sense, you know, so the other part of the world that needs exploring and needs to understand um, how we operate and how we can connect, that's the next phase of the company's journey. That's where we're going to get our strength in terms of us being able to reinforce our position here in, in Britain. So we have, you know, I do trust and I hope and I pray that that appointment is the right appointment. And that hasn't happened yet.
No. Okay. Uh, and what about your own work then? Are you continuing to choreograph? I don't think I can stop. <laughs> I don't think I can. I think it's it's early for me to just see how I'm going to make that happen. Um, you know, I'm in a creative environment where choreography is embedded in, in the everyday practice. Mm. But I do feel that, you know, the next story that comes along that feels like it's mine, um, that I would want to, to, to just be able to create the space for that to happen. Um, and, of course, I have resources here. But I wonder, I am thinking, where will that take its shape and how will it actually manifest itself? Because I think I'm not talking about just um, exploring, you know, just, uh, I guess, the stories I really want to tell have to have the right kind of resource around it, mm. the research that I feel that is essential to making sure that the narratives stack up and that it's respected in terms of its need within society. So... I, I don't know what that is yet, and I have to give myself time to understand um, how to formulate that thinking around what that could look like. Okay. And for the school as well, because I think in a way, um, having the resource is one thing, and actually it's whether or not it happens here in the school or whether it happens outside of the school. Um, I don't know where that ground is going gonna, is gonna, gonna to take shape, but I do think it's um, something that's in me, and mm. I, don't, I don't believe it's a good use of, of resource if I, if I don't do that. Yeah, I can't imagine you not doing that. Um, okay, so let's talk about the school. Northern School of Contemporary Dance, one of the top three dance schools in the country. Um, obviously, you know, really well respected. People from, you know, students, ex-students from Northern are everywhere in our sector. Um, why did you want the job? <laughs> you know, I'm going to share with you what I shared with my, well, what my mother reminded me of. She said... Um, do you remember when I came and told her that I had I got the job? Um, and I think I, I was only very, I was ooh, a matter of months into my job when, when my predecessor was appointed. And uh, I said to her, Mom, I've got the job. And it was, I mean, the journey to this was quite incredible. But And then she said, yeah, I remember you telling me 16 years ago that you wanted this job. Mm-hmm. And I said, did I really? And then she, she described the, the moment that I and the people that were actually connected to the school at the time. And I thought, my God, Mom, you've, hold on, you've held on to that for 16 years. Well done, That's incredible. I mean, not even I remembered at the time <laughs> that I was being passionate about it, some of, the, some of the key things. So I guess in a way, in the back of my mind, it was one of those where I'd seen the examples of leadership that I felt actually I believe I could develop those skills to be able to have um, to contribute to the wider to the wider picture, I was educated in a way, and I'm not talking about academically educated. I was educated in a way about the expression of the art form that I I've loved and I feel very passionate about. And I also have demonstrated over the years the way in which I do feel that I can be impactful without being a dictator in terms of how that can happen. And honestly, I just find it quite rewarding when I look at the talent that can be developed and the the staff in a way that actually is is comes on board in this environment because there's something really quite special about the northern i i was trained at the place and i have an affinity to the place and love it but there's just something about knowing its incarnation and knowing how it started to where it is now i just find that that story is so unique in such a way that actually it's paved the way for so many and so many actually i have to say that that has a closer connection to, that looks like me. And therefore I feel that actually it's time for me to be able to give back 
my years of growing and learning. If the moment came, then I was gonna I was gonna hedge my bets and give it a go. And here we are. Um, do you have or did you pre-COVID, did you have a vision then? Do you know where you want it to go? I mean, obviously that might have shifted and you're talking about not not rushing into this too quickly, but nevertheless, what what do you want Northern to be? I mean, excellence is, is questionable in, in terms of some people, but I believe the school is excellent in what it delivers and how it delivers that. Um, but actually that excellence doesn't stand still. And it has an international reputation that actually can be, um, can have a bit more than a, a magnitude appearance across the world. I, um, I also feel that people that look like me and that want to do the work that I've done, that I can produce more of those that actually look like me um, and give them the opportunity, as well as embracing all the other differences that we have across the board. So not to be exclusive, but absolutely to be inclusive in terms of who we are. The school needs to grow. I think it's, it's bursting at the seams with all its creativity and its ideas and what we could build here, that it actually does need to grow. So there is a, a way of looking outside of these four walls to see how that we make that happen, whether that is a physical manifestation, but definitely a creative one for sure. I think the scale in which some of the work that the organization can do can be magnified. We've got a fantastic cultural history in terms of dance here. We've got the DNA that's really kind of keeps the city moving. And the city believes in dance, so I'm going to give it dance. Mm. I'm going to give it the, 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 the scale of dance that actually sometimes we're a little bit afraid to step into the territories. You know, the research that we have and the knowledge that we have within, this, within our environment here, it needs to be shared. We have all these possibilities, but actually I'm looking to build, and I'm going to use this word, no, I'm not going to use it because actually I, I have to dissect it for myself, but the fact that actually I can really swell what we have means that I, I can empower more people. And by doing so, that you know the kind of leadership that I want to demonstrate is not always about championing from the front. I really want to be able to make that happen for others as well as myself in terms of moving forward. So there's different ways in which I see the school growing. I think the school has a lot more to offer. I think the partnerships that I want to build with the school are on a, a local and national, on an international basis. And I'm not saying that we don't do that, but I think there's room to make that much more of an attraction and a destination for our students. It's an expensive undertaking, isn't it, going to dance school? Um, how do you feel like, how, how do you feel the school is doing generally in terms of diversity, in terms of racial or economic diversity, it, it does feel like a just necessarily privileged environment, really. Is that true? And is there much you can do about that? There's a lot going on. And I think one of the mistakes of the school, and I will hold my hand up, but I've had a look at it, the work is going on, just nobody sees it. And I think in terms of flipping that so that we can actually really have that outwardly facing because those questions are being asked our community are kind of are involved in what we do but actually we're, we're so busy that we're not talking about it we're not demonstrating the work that's happening what, do, sorry, what do you mean by work the I, you know, the connection that we have the act, activity that we have with our BAME community mm. with our black and brown organizations the work that actually is physically going on in supporting so the bursary work that actually takes okay. a student from grassroots right through to delivery we have to invest in that, otherwise they get lost. Yeah. We are one of the schools that actually probably, if we were to say, we have some of the most challenging students in terms of their social economic backgrounds mm. and actually being able to hold their hand through a journey that tells them that they can do this. We can demonstrate that we've done that and it's ongoing, but actually we need more resources to do more because mm. 
there's a lot of them. There's a lot of us out there that need the help. There's a lot that come to the door that we can't actually physically take into the space. So how do we help them? How do we how do we nurture, protect them, but allow them to grow? So these things are ongoing. And actually the staff are, are working 10 to the dozen at that. Whereas I know for some organizations that that's probably not quite as, yeah. a, as um, high on their profile in terms of high on their activity um, agenda. It is something that is happening here. Now I do want the world to know about it mm. because actually if the schools, if the young people can see it, they'll be more attracted to it. If they're attracted to it, we know that we can facilitate it. If we can facilitate it, out the other side, we can champion it. So that really, the stages of development are happening. I have to make it happen quicker, if possible. Some of that is about resource, but I also have to make it visible. Mm. How exciting. Um, And so that's about getting them in the door. What do you need to give them when they're with you in order to get out of the doors and go on to make careers and make the sector, you know, what it needs to be? I think for every dancer, the one thing that they really want to hold on to is, is an identity. And if they if they don't have the confidence to own their identity, then not only have they failed themselves, but we've also failed them. And that's for every student that walks through the door. I think an individual is the most important part of of that of the person and to some degree if we're not if we 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 have the ability to accept them for who they are and where their starting points are what we need to do is to be skillful enough to know where we can um help them to extend their creativity and their ability to do more so you know a holistic approach to who that person is becomes our priority we know we've got quality teaching here we have quality teaching, we need diverse teaching, we need diverse understanding so that that individual knows that they can be confident, they can build their confidence and they can own who they are in whatever cultural form that takes. And that for me, once you actually have a holistic person, you know that you're actually, you're setting them up for life because the challenges will come from many different directions, um, not least the cultural question. But I think when we kind of broaden that up so that there's an equality, there is equality in each and every single one of them, they can come to the fore and they can lead their own journey as and when they step out of the Northern School. Great. So it's about um, obviously training their bodies, but also training their brains, but and also their leadership skills and their advocacy and the, and the business skills that you that we've talked about. Yeah. yeah. Because they need, you know, now more than ever, it's it's difficult out, out there, and they need to have a really strong sense of individuality and uh, purpose, I suppose. Yeah. I don't want any student to feel that they're a tick box mm. in whichever culture they come from, whichever, you know, I mean, you could flip this on its head and we could be in another country with a different situation kind of looking at this. I don't ever want a student to feel that they're a tick box because mm. they're worth, what's their worth then? Um, and, you know, for that to be almost the starting point, it's just, you're, you, you might as well, you, you're going nowhere with that as an approach to change. So, you know, providing we can get some, a level playing field at the very early stages. And that doesn't start when they come to the door as a first year student, that starts way back in the community. And that ownership of empowerment is what we need to be able to build on. And actually the empowerment of the teachers to know that they can actually have the the ability to install that in, in another person is also important. So I can't have my foot soldiers in a sense, and I'm speaking literally, mm. go out without feeling empowered and understanding what the messaging is around being able to educate the generation that is actually going to, to we're going to see through through a, a career. 
So if you're putting the individual and their identity at, at the heart of their practice and the heart of the training that you're going to give them, that's a shift, isn't it, from from where dance has been in this country? Quite possibly. Um, I mean, nothing's taken off the table. We can certainly add things. We have to balance out how much we can actually in, input into a, into a development. Uh, and three years is a very short time to make that happen. But I do think, um, you know, the earlier you start, the better it is, the better we rewrite the education that allows the student to actually um, succeed in what they do. And that's also those that deliver it. I think the messaging can't just be about the individual. They may well see something but not understand what it means mm. and how they can communicate and connect with that. So we have to look at the holistic approach. And that's with the staff. That's with the policies. That's with myself. That's with all the students. That's with the outreach work. That's with our government. That's with our systems. I mean, I think the whole thing about a holistic approach is really making sure that it, you split it every way and people understand why they're there. And if we can get some of that working, and this is the side that perhaps is less, less about the art, but understanding it results in the art. And, you know, people do appreciate the fact that actually we can go to the opera, we can go to the ballet, we can go to the music concerts, but not understanding how the, the, the representation affects what they're seeing. So let's have that conversation and let me try and help you to understand that your job and your responsibility is for a bigger group of people than it is for the ones that you're already recognised. Let me have that conversation with you. Let me help you to educate yourself and therefore the trust that you're going to have within the people that actually you are supposed to be supporting. So it's a very different way of actually approaching an education system because you're going to keep having to hammer away at some of those policies that are easy for, for organisations to manage. Listening to you, it's um, possible to feel incredibly excited <laughs> um, and that really there is, you know, a burgeoning conversation. It's hideously overdue. Um but is that naive of me? I mean, do you feel hope? Do you feel that change is afoot and that you can, you know, you can start to make a difference there and that the world will start to change and that there is that something positive can come out of this COVID landscape, this Black Lives Matter landscape, whatever it is. Is it real? Tell me it's real. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't imagine that the, it's not just a, a local problem, a regional or a national problem. It's an international problem. I look across, I, you know, we watch the news and at times I have to turn it off because it is so impactful. But the world is saying this, not just, no. not just in our locality, the world is saying this. And when I look at the, the 8 minutes 46 seconds that people are talking about and metaphorically knowing that we've had a knee in our neck for so long and now actually we're just finding a little bit of a, an opportunity to breathe. We're going to take that breath and actually I'd rather fail well, I'd rather not, you know, I'd rather attempt to do this and fail trying than not attempt to do it at all and be criticised for taking a position where actually I can make a change and I can be fearless. Mm. And that's what I, I think my message is to the wider world. We have to be fearless around the conversations that we're engaging with now because that timid approach and that, that foggy space that we've lived in for such a long time, we've got to clear that now. I don't know when we're going to get to a situation where eight minutes or 46 seconds is going to have so much of meaning as, you know, mm. we had civil rights um, back in the, in the 1940s in, yeah, that 48. And, you know, we're going back again when, you know, slavery was 400 years ago. We can't wait that long. There's too much of an impactful and negative um, kind of 
journey that we've kind of clean up and tried to and trying to understand that actually where we are now, where we have, you know, if I say to someone, we've got eight minutes and 46 seconds to make a difference, you're going to go, wow, time's running out. Hmm. Yes, it is. So let's not waste that, that life. Let's understand what that life meant to this movement, which is international. And, you know, for those that are not quite comfortable with understanding what that means for someone of a black or brown person, then you really do need to take yourself into a space to be able to get educated because it's not okay. It really isn't acceptable. And if it all lives matter, we understand. Mm. But right about now, what's floating to the surface is that black and brown people are disproportionately being, um, well, killed. Their lives mm. are disposable. And that has to change. And, you know, you, you've experienced this and felt this your whole life, no doubt. And yet here we are right now. This is happening in the world. You're in that seat. Um, do, do you feel, um, you know, again, listening to you, I feel like you're buzzing with energy. Do, do you feel like it's in your grasp and that actually you just got to get on with it now and you can make this change? I don't mean solve everything. I mean, no, make no, proper no. change though. And I could only ever do from my perspective and my experience. Um, the changes that I would hope to be a part of. And I think that's an interesting one because whilst I had the space initially, it was one of the questions I asked myself, what role am I going to play? I mean, I have a choice. I could be quiet and I can continue to do what I need to do. Um, but I actually, had, I, I gave myself space to think. I gave myself permission to ask that question. Recently, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, do, I, do I continue to do what I do? Do I step back and allow others just to get on with it? And actually, I've taken that decision myself that I will take responsibility to support the voices that are actually ongoing because I actually do feel that I have something as a black female who has worked in this industry, who has a family that I want to, I want them to come home to me safely, that I actually love what I do, um, that I can put myself, position myself to be a support for those that want me to be a support for myself, mm. to be a support for the culture that I, I believe in, and to be a support for the art that I think has been underrepresented for so long. So I am energised. I'm energised because I, I feel that I have something very constructive to offer. Um, and I also feel that actually I've also got to be brave enough to take the hits. And I don't doubt that they will come in some shape or form. But ultimately, I'm doing I'm, what I do and what I stand for for the right reasons. So hopefully there's enough reflection for those not to have an impact. Great. And you've, yeah, you've had a lifetime of training for this. You know, you've um, achieved so much along the way, forged so many partnerships, made so many changes that you must be pretty tough, I guess. Um, and yeah, I feel like you're sort of on a springboard and it's really exciting to see what's what's going to happen next. I am excited. I am. I genuinely I am excited. It. I think it's, um, you know, I talk about being given gifts. Phoenix for me was a gift. Um, I was, it was great that I could contribute and then it was handed back to me as a gift. So I have a responsibility and I also feel the Northern School, mm. I think when Nadine Senior decided mm. that she was going to, to, to build this school, it was because there was no, no dance education and yet she was providing the industry with so much talent that there's, a, there's an ownership about the success of that within the city and the city's taken on that ownership. And for me, that's, uh, you know, I've not left Leeds in order to make my career. Mm. Uh, I mean, I've obviously to train, I've done that, but I've always kept my roots here in Leeds, my family here. And it's a great place to say that actually out of the little secondary school, 
then we have identified where talent can be nurtured. Which is where Nadine taught originally, yeah. In Hairholes, absolutely. And, you know, that little model in itself, you know, time has moved on, but there's nothing that needed to change about nurturing talent at a young age. Let's have a look at what that model is. Let's have a look at the values that was held within that development. And actually, it wasn't broken. It really wasn't broken. So how do we replicate that in the 21st century? How do we continue to make sure that we are um, serving a purpose with our young people? Because actually, it can only continue to serve generations after. So, yeah, there's some learning from that. And, uh, and to believe that actually leads for me is where I can make this happen. Brilliant. It is really exciting. I'm just going to ask you a couple of random quick fire questions to round okay. us off from my uh, little yellow envelope. Sharon Watson, is there yes. anything you want to do in dance that you haven't yet done? I'd like to do a massive international project and um, to test the waters about doing that simultaneously across the world. That's just a way to make a message. Uh, magnify lovely you're we haven't talked about this but i've worked with you in labs that you, you know you're you're you like setting up collaborative uh, labs and you like uh you know you're very involved in getting composers choreographers dancers uh, musicians working together so that sense of collaboration is in your leadership style also in your own practice and so that's what you mean to do a big international production to to Absolutely. Model that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've, we've not even touched on the kind of the partnership developments that I think we can all grow from mm. and learn from. And it is exciting when somebody can come into a room and inspire you to do something different. I mean, I think that's absolutely amazing. Actually, the, the Choreographer Composers Lab, which is one of the projects which I was uh, a participant in in my early days and actually replicating that in my better days with Phoenix, mm. to have that on an international scale, I mean, the ambition is out there, but even to get that on a national scale for me would be phenomenal because actually that's how we can also understand equality within the art form and the representation that inspires others to do what they perhaps would never have considered before. And also the leadership that you're talking about, leading from behind and, and giving space to people to develop their own voices. And it's an, it's an example of that too, isn't it? It's not led by you. You don't go in and teach, you enable. And of course you mentor and guide, but you create the space. Most definitely. And I think the styles of leadership now is, is about courageous leadership. And, you know, not to just stand at the front and assume that this is how it works. Mm -hmm. Is you know, to be able to, to be a, a leader that actually has some invisibility around what they do and how they do it is phenomenal. And actually, that's, that's how you empower. That's mm -hmm. one way of making sure that actually the, the messaging and the sustainability of, of quality leadership continues because you can take yourself out of the mix and realise that actually the bricks are not going to fall down. Mm -hmm. So, yes, absolutely, the various forms of leadership for me is important. Nice. What's your favourite venue to play in? <gasps> got a pick, got a pick. Oh, have I got to really? yeah. You know something I'm going to say here at the Northern School of Contemporary Dance? Oh. I, <laughs> but is it true? Well, I, it's, it's got my history. Yeah, okay. It's got my history. Yeah, it must and, be amazing actually to be treading, <laughs> treading those boards again in so many different uh, yeah. guises. Okay. Most definitely. Plus it's a very politic answer, so well done. <laughs> What's the best advice you have ever been given? Oh, I think... Oh, Lou, you should give me a heads up on that one. But then it's uh, not the same one game. Of the, one of the things that actually I have been given is um, if the door is slightly ajar, then just push it open. Nice. If you stay where you are, you've achieved nothing. Um, 
And by that, you have nothing to lose by just testing whether that, that there's any movement in that, in that door. Lovely. Sharon, you're so inspiring to talk to. Thank you so much. It's really, really a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you for making the time because I do know how busy you are. But um, blind me, I wish you luck with it all. And I can't wait to see <laughs> what comes out of it. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of Downtime. I really hope you enjoyed it. Please do listen to the other episodes with other brilliant artists and arts leaders and please also have a look at my website, www.thecoad.org. May you be lucky and well enough to have a little inspired downtime of your own. <laughs>